Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church Podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. Yes. Good morning, y'all. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be holy and acceptable before you. And I pray, Father God, that in this time that I speak the truth as led by your Holy Spirit, may anything that I say that is not of you be blocked from the ears of the hearers, Father God, so they only hear your voice and not mine. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm, uh, one of the things of which happened to me is, is that many years ago when I was um, in a small church in Calgary, I met a gentleman. Actually, he really wasn't a gentleman. He was an angel. Here's the thing I'm going to share with you. How many of you believe in angels as being supernatural beings? Okay, pretty near all of you. Well, I'm going to give you a definition here. This is from the Hebrew, makala, which means to dispatch a messenger, specifically of God, angel. Now, it can also be a prophet, a priest, a teacher, an ambassador, an angel, a king, or a messenger. The word angel in the Greek, doulos, simply means a messenger, a representative of God. So that means that if you come and I meet you and you give me a message from God, in that sense, you're a messenger from God, you're an angel. I know most of us haven't thought of ourselves as being angels, but that's what we are. So I had this angel show up in my life a few years ago. Very interesting. A elderly black gentleman riding a red bicycle was out doing the lawn and he stopped at the church and we visited for a little while and then the next day he came and the next day and over about a two-month period I saw him every day for about an hour an hour and a half and we shared the scriptures and we shared the love of the Lord Jesus Christ one of the things was though that you have to know is that when I went to Bible college and university I studied theology now Theology in itself is a pretty dry subject. We need it. We need the definitions of it. But I'll tell you what, if you only have theology and if you don't have the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, all you have is emptiness. Okay? So, I never fell into that problem because I came into the church through the charismatic movement and a lot of those things. And I actually had to slow down on that a little bit rather than keep going forward. And I... I spend much time crying about some of the things of which have been done in the name of the charismatic movement of the Church of Jesus Christ today. There's an awful lot of bad theology out there now. So anyways, this man and I were sharing about different things, and one day he said to me, who's your most favorite person in the whole Bible? I don't know, maybe... David or, you know, we're talking about people here. He said, you know who mine is? I said, no. He said, it is, 
been a little while since. It's been about five years since I spoke. So, uh, <clears throat> he said, my favorite person is Jairus. Do you all know who Jairus is? He's a very interesting individual. He uh, is the bookends for a message that we all know. But I'm going to share with you. If you, all of you who have your Bibles uh, could turn to uh, Mark chapter 6, please. Or uh, 5. So, starting in the 21st verse, it says, When Jesus had again crossed over from the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was at the lake. So here we go. Here's what's happened is Jesus has been over across the lake and he heals the man of whom it's uh, been is demonic. He's the man who was in the tombs, okay? He comes back over to the side of which Israel is and there's a whole crowd of people to meet him. Now, in this crowd, I suspect that there's an awful lot of people who are exactly like us and of which Brad had just spoke of. We have needs, all of these people came to meet Jesus because they had needs. But the one who came, and I want you to see this. Large crowd gathered around him, and while they were at the lake, one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and lay hands on her. What do we see? What? This is what this gentleman taught me. Forget about the word when you're reading it as strictly as the word, but look for people. These are real people who had real problems, who approached Jesus and had their problems resolved. Jairus is the leader of the synagogue. He's either a Pharisee or a Sadducee. He has to be one or the other. He's a man of prestige and power. He's a man probably of maybe not great wealth, but wealthy enough to have servants at his disposal. He's a man who would be recognized as he walked through the community as one of the leaders of the community. Thank you very much. So he's not just the average guy off the streets. He's somebody who is important within the community. And he comes before Jesus and he kneels. In front of all these other people, he bows before Jesus. The man is a man who of humility, who is willing to accept the fact that he has problems and that he believes in faith that Jesus Christ can heal them. If you would simply come and lay hands on my daughter. Do we have that same faith? Do we have that same humility? We see Jairus as this person of importance. Would we, in our own lives, be willing, if there was a large crowd around, be willing to go and kneel before someone and ask for help? For myself, I'd struggle with that. I, I preached this message once before, and I still struggle with the very fact of maybe I just don't quite measure up in my humility and some of my thoughts and some of my ways. Jesus, he said, can you come? Just come and lay hands on her. 
he fell at his feet and earnestly pleaded with him. He just didn't fall at his feet and say, Jesus, would you be good enough to come over to my house? Here's a man that I can see with tears coming out of his eyes and much pain because of his daughter being sick in your death. But been in these positions, he didn't go to the synagogue. He went to Jesus. Jesus, you can help me. Lord, in this uh, my time of need. And Jesus responds and he says, I will come to your house. Okay? So Jesus went with them. And it says that a large crowd followed and pressed against him. I want you to get a, the picture of this. This isn't just a case of, of Jairus going with Jesus and walking along. This is a case of, say, if it was just this group and we're all about Jesus and we're all reaching out, and this was probably true, all of them were trying to reach out and touch Jesus. We're going to look at the woman with the issue of blood, but she wasn't the only one. I want you to think about this, and, and I'm not going to talk about any rock star or anything. Think about Queen Elizabeth walking down the road and they have it quartered off. There's guards and everything around and about her. And there are people of all ages reaching out to the queen on the off chance she might touch them. How much more were these people reaching out to Jesus? How? They were all there. They all needed help. They were all touching him and crowding in on him. They all had the same idea. Maybe if I can just touch him, I will be healed. Now put yourself in Jairus' position. Jairus' little girl is dying, and Jesus is going to the house. And if it was me, I would say, what are all these people doing? Don't they know my daughter's sick? Don't they know that the Lord is coming to my house to heal my daughter? Why are they all holding him up? My, my, I need help for my daughter, and all these people are stopping him from getting to my house. Why? Where in our prayer lives have we, have we ever been of where, where it seemed like everything was closing in on us and everything was stopping us from reaching out and getting God to move on our behalf? The crowd around them. It can be your finances. It can be whatever. But it just seems that something's holding Jesus up. We still have to walk in faith. And thus Jairus was going. And you know Jairus was right beside him. He wasn't walking at the back of the pack. And so he was being jostled back and forth also. Then. The large crowd followed him and passed. And a woman was there that had been a subject of bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the called care of many doctors and had spent all she had. And yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Then she heard about Jesus and she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. All of the people were reaching out and touching Jesus. We know that. They had to have been. Yet this one woman came and I can see it in my mind's eye. She was a woman who was a Jew that knew with the issue of blood she shouldn't have been there. It was totally against the law. She tried many doctors and they'd all failed. If I can only touch him. 
So here's this huge crowd, and I can see her with people in front of her, and she, because she knows that if she's found out in that crowd, there will be consequences to pay, and slipping her hand through and barely touching the cloak. She didn't come up and give him a swat in the back and say, how are you, buddy? Here's a woman who is afraid. So we know what happened. Immediately the power went out from Jesus and he said, who touched me? And he stops. And all the crowd stops. And Jairus's heart stops. What's going on? Why are we all stopping here? And Jesus says, I felt power go out from me. Who was this woman? Or who was it who touched me? Finally, she comes and she says, it was I. And she gives a story. And she said, I've had this issue of blood for 12 years. I've been to doctors. I've done everything. I've spent everything that I had. You were my last hope. And in the back of Jairus' mind, if he thought anything like me, he said, she stole my blessing. They're going to my place to heal my daughter, and she stole it. This woman who's a sinner, this woman with the issue of the blood, this woman who shouldn't be out there because it's under the law, stole my blessing. But he doesn't say anything. He stands there and waits for Jesus. But what's he thinking? Here's the question, what would you think in that circumstance? It's your daughter, Jesus is going to your house, and somebody else got healed on the way. That's the way we're built. I hate to say it. It's only through the blood and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we can overcome those things. Only through Jesus that we can accept the grace that others can be blessed and rejoice with them. We're jealous of our neighbor because they got a new car. We're, We're upset with the government. We're this, we're that. But through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we develop new ideas and new eyes so we can see things differently. We start to understand the love and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ as we start to look at other people. Here's the thing, that if the woman was blessed, it's a time to rejoice because there's blessings being given out and maybe I'll get one. Right? It's not the time to be cynical. It's the time to rejoice. And that's what Jesus says very plainly. Rejoice with the others when they're blessed. But Jairus, he's standing there watching this. This says that a group of men come from his house. And in Luke, in the account, it says one man came to speak to him. Why the differences in the two readings? Well... You know, you get people who will tell you that, well, the, the Bible has contradictions. Here it says a group came, and over in Luke it says one person come. Well, that's not really a contradiction. One of the things is, is that that's a proof that the story that's being told is true. If you were a police officer, and if you're taking things down from witnesses, they are all going to vary a little bit because they all seen it through their own eyes. They're all exactly the same. There's something wrong with it. So when you see those what so-called contradictions in the Bible, that's because different people saw different things in different ways, but that just verifies the truth. doesn't make it nil.
Anyways, that'll chase a rabbit there. The, and so uh, Jairus is there. The blessing's been given to the woman, and this man comes and says, leave the teacher. Leave the teacher. The little girl is dead. What a message to receive in the midst of that crowd on the way to receive a healing. I can see the man who came up to him is probably a good personal friend of Jairus's. You don't send servants for those kinds of things. I can see him putting his arm around Jairus and saying, I'm sorry. She's passed away. Jairus has already been tempted to say, this woman stole my blessing and now my little girl is dead. Pain and the anguish of which he must have felt would be almost unbearable. But we've all been in those kinds of situations of where the pain seems like it will take us down. But Jesus is there right beside us as he was beside Jairus. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's always with us. We sang, it doesn't matter where I'm going or what I'm doing, Jesus is always there. Not in that many words. That wasn't the words of the song, but that's what the meaning was. He's always with us. And so he says to Jairus, he says, don't worry. He says, just have faith. So Jairus and, and the Lord... Go to his house, and Peter and John and James go into the house. Here again, in Mark, it says that they went to the house, and in Luke, it says that the crowd went. So you've got all of these people outside of Jairus' house, and then when they go into the house of Jairus, there are people there who are wailing and crying because the little girl is dead. Whether they were all friends, whether they were all family, what they were, I don't know. In those days, though, it was such a thing as a professional wailer, a professional crier. That's what they could have been. Who knows? We don't. But we do know that there was a group of them there. So the people are crying and wailing loudly, the scripture says. And he went in and said to them, why all the commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. I have to say, I might have too. I came from an agrarian society and, and grew up in that fashion. And, and when you're on the farm, you see different animals and you lose them. And you know what death is. These people dealt with death. They knew the little girl was dead. And Jesus says, no, she's just asleep. I'd laugh. Wouldn't you laugh? The only one who didn't laugh was Jairus. I don't know what he was doing. And here his wife is with him now. I can see him going over to his wife and putting his arm over her shoulder and hugging her and saying, it's going to be okay. It's all right. I've told those lies to my wife, and so has every other man in here. And it's not all right sometimes, is it? 
but we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is there and he's with us and all of these things are, are meant for our growth and we shall overcome and prosper in Jesus Christ. After he put them all out, he put all the people out. Who, what people did he put? All the ones who were... See, here's the thing. One of the things of which we have to do when we have... This group represents those things of which are going to come across and, and hold up our faith. And when different things come into our lives that try to hold up our faith, they have to be removed. It could be anything. It could be money. It could be anything of which is hindering us from growing closer and closer to Jesus Christ. In this case, it's a crowd of people of whom are laughing, but uh, I don't know about you, but for myself, I can speak. When I came to the Lord Jesus Christ, I was the only one in my family, and I don't just mean my brothers and sisters. I mean all of my cousins and everyone else. I was an everyday alcoholic, I had minor drug problems. I was working up in, in the Arctic. My wife and I were living up there. It was a male-dominated society of where you drank and worked. I fit into it very well. Those things of which were holding me back was that, that as, as true as I stand here, one of the men I worked with heard that I had accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, he drove from Winnipeg to Calgary to ask me. I said, yes, I have. I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He said, I heard that. And a half an hour later, he was on his way home. I mean, like, when I got saved, everybody in the beer parlor knew before I did. I had things that held me back, and so I started to pray. I said, God, I don't want to be the only one in my family. I want others in my family to know the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to move on my behalf and, and bring me brothers and sisters in Christ from my own family. All the weirdos and all the wackos started getting saved. I'm serious. All the ones that the crazy uncle... We all got one, right? He got saved. All of these people started getting saved. And I'm thinking to myself, this, this is wrong. That would make a heck of a Christian, and this guy's crazier than me. But you know what? God moves in strange and mysterious ways because those people caused such an influence upon the rest of the family than some of the other ones come. My goodness, if Derwin can get saved... My brother said, he should get saved. He needs it. Like he doesn't. Those are the things of which we're, 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 the lack of faith, the lack of understanding that can hold us back as Christians. People who say things to us. Oh, yeah, you Christians, you're all nuts. You all need a crutch. Oh, yes, I do. And I'm proud of it. Because I'm reliant upon something that's bigger and stronger than me. That's why Jesus sent all of these people out of the room. He said, we don't need this lack of faith at this time. So him and James and John and Peter go up with the mother and the father. <laughs> and Jesus lays hands on the little girl. And he says, Telethakama, little girl, I say to you, get up. 
and immediately she got up. Interesting. You know what? I, I researched this. I thought I was close. There's only 10 people who outside of Jesus and the group of people who were resurrected on the day of the cross, there's only eight other people who were resurrected in the Bible. There's only 10 resurrections total, not counting the thousands that rose on the day of the cross, okay? There's only nine counting Jesus. This is a big deal. This is the bookends for the woman of faith because the woman of faith said, if I can just reach out and touch him. I have faith for that. But look at the mill of which this family was put through with their daughter and her dying and all of the rest of it. We, we all want to take the way of the, of the woman with the issue of blood, right? That's easy. If I can just get to touch him, everything will be okay. But Jairus had to go through all of these things and everything that was mounting against him, the crowd that was wailing and, and the crowd that wouldn't let her in and the woman with the issue of blood being healed. And I don't know how you'd feel, but by this time, I would be a basket case. Everything just seems to be against me. Is my daughter really going to be resurrected? She's dead. Jesus reached out to the little girl, and the, she, immediately she stood up and walked. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. I would be more than astonished if I seen somebody raised from the dead. I would be more than astonished after I'd gone through all of these things and, and, and the feelings and the emotional roller coaster that I went through and everything when I see this little girl get up and walk. Great, great thing this is. We, and, and this gentleman showed me, he said, look, Derwin, he said, this is the bookends for the woman with the issue of blood. It's all one story. We shouldn't separate them. And he was right. When, here's what he taught me. I'm going to boil this down really simple. When we're going through problems, and, and, and so what we've been taught to do is, is that I'll find the right scripture. There's a scripture in here that's just right for me. All I have to do is find it. So we search the scriptures for my answer. And I do that also, and there's nothing wrong with that. But maybe once in a while, Rather than search the scriptures, we should search the people. See them come alive in our lives. Ask questions. What, what's causing this problem for them? How did they overcome it? The, every one of the people in this Bible somewhere has had the same problems we go through. And if we go to them and we look at the book of David when he lost his, uh, 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 not David, but when he lost his son, and he prayed and prayed and prayed for God to heal him and he wouldn't heal him. And yet, when the child finally went to the Lord, he got up and got dressed. Why? Because he knew he was in better hands. My whole theology changed to a large degree because of this gentleman and his little red bicycle. He taught me that one of the things he said, Derwin, if, if you pray for somebody to be healed, and you keep praying and they pass away, you didn't fail. Because being with Jesus Christ is a perfect healing. Where would I sooner be, with Jesus or you? I, hey, don't put me in that box. I know where I want to be. Right? So death is not something for us to fear. 
It's, this little girl being resurrected is a promise for you and I that we also will be resurrected. It just takes time. The faithfulness of Jairus and the faithfulness of this woman with the issue of blood is for each and every one of us. The story of the woman at the well and the things that she had to go through because she had went through so many men and the, her being ostracized and, and rejected and looked down on. It's something that all of us go through at one time or another. We all feel rejected. How come this guy got a raise and he does half the work and I, I never got a raise? We feel these emotions. But Jesus has covered it with all of these people and all of these with his word, but to show us who we are in our humanity. I'm going to close with this, which is kind of a cue that I'm only going to be 15 more minutes. Hey. There's a story of the Apostle John when he was an old, old man. And there was a meeting somewhere, and the Apostle John was there in a chair. They helped him to his feet to come up to the crowd to talk. This old man with somebody on each arm holding him. But to the front, and this was his message. He said, little children, love one another. Little children, love one another. Little children, love one another. That was the whole message. Now I want to move you ahead. A couple of thousand years. There was an old gentleman who had founded a church, had been the minister there for many, many years. And they were having what we're going to have coming up, a celebration of the church. An anniversary celebration. So they invited this old gentleman to come. They get him up, and he's about the same as the Apostle John. He can hardly walk. They got him up to the front of the church, and they were thinking, what's he going to say? What's he going to do? Here's what he did. And I want each and every one of you to join in with me. He said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but I am strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. And not just the Bible. When we know him personally, he speaks to our hearts. And he says, good and well done. Good for you. Hang in there. You'll make it. See, Christianity is simply a relationship. It's not a book of laws. It's a book of love. And what this, this book, I want to clarify this. This book is not about how we're supposed to act. 
This book is about how much God loves us. And we act differently because God loves us. Not because we can and we go trying to please God. That doesn't cut it. We have to be obedient when we're asked to be obedient as Jairus was, but we also at times have to reach out in faith like the woman with the issue of blood and take a chance on it. Sometimes those things happen. Um, just close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We worship you. Father God, you work in each and every one of our lives in different ways under different circumstances. But the power and the anointing of your Holy Spirit is in each and every one of us. And it leads us and guides us in all truth and all righteousness. And each of us in our own way, Heavenly Father, follow. Some of us are more stubborn. Some of us are quick learners. Some of us have to learn by our mistakes. We all go along. And yet at the same time, Heavenly Father, you have great patience with each and every one of us. You lead us and guide us in all truth. You show us the ways of your ways. And as our heart slowly but surely changes, so our actions and reactions also change. And Father God, in this morning, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray a blessing upon each and every one who's here. As Brad played, may the Holy Spirit reach out and touch each and every one of you exactly where you're at and heal you and guide you. We all need a healing of some kind, and only you know what it is at this time, but believe. Believe in the same way as what Jairus did. Jesus is walking with me, and it doesn't matter what the crowd pressing around says or does, but rather Jesus is the answer. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' holy name, amen. I speak the name of Jesus over you. Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family, and that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca, or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on Contact Us from the main menu. Or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on Our Pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know His hope, know his purpose, and know his power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go. In Jesus' name.
circumstances will change. I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus.